Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B, it is Guatney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hey, Scott here. Hope you're having a great Saturday. I'm really excited about today's show. I grew up a huge fan of G.I. Joe, and we're going to talk to somebody that actually worked on G.I. Joe. Mark Pennington worked at Hasbro on G.I. Joe from December 1st, 1985 to August of 1988. In that time, he helped develop over 75 action figures. Mark was the second full-time figure designer on the brand and worked on G.I. Joe almost exclusively. Mark decided to leave Hasbro in August of 88 to pursue a career in illustration. He wanted to do comics and, and fantasy art. He's done it all. And he earned an Eisner Award nomination for Best Inker in 1993. How are you, Mark? Welcome to uh, Guatney Unplugged. I'm very good, and thank you. <laughs> Man, it's just great to talk to you. I I grew up on G.I. Joe, so of course I want to drill you about that. But where did you grow sure. up at? I grew up in northern Ohio. I was born in Cleveland, and I stayed there until the third grade, and then we moved to, out to the suburbs in the middle of nowhere in Grafton, Ohio. What is the first things you remember drawing or being interested in artwork? Uh, oh, the first things I remember drawing, oh, probably some superhero stuff or maybe even Tarzan. I'm not sure. I was a, a big uh, Tarzan fan as a child, and and uh, Batman came out in, what, the early 60s, so that was a huge thing for me. And and then there was, a you know, uh, when, when I was a kid living in Cleveland, there was a local drugstore right on the corner. And of course, we always got our comics there, or got the throwaway ones in the in the dumpster. <laughs> yeah. In the old days, they used to rip the covers off of comics and and send that back for credit, and then just throw the actual comics in the dumpster. So <laughs> sometimes are... we get lucky and get our actual uh, co extra comics we didn't want to pay for out of the dumpster. But uh, the first things I remember drawing: Tarzan, Zorro, Batman. Bats. I like to draw bats. I like to draw cats, uh, horses, you know, stuff like that. I'm Just somewhat of an <laughs> I'm somewhat of an artist, and for whatever reason, as a little kid, kindergarten stuff, it was a big deal to draw the weatherman. I don't know. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe people would send them in to the stations, and maybe it would get on the air or something. That was kind of a deal when I was a kid. In '77, yeah. you joined the army. What was your specialty? Yeah. Uh, my MOS, uh, I was a combat engineer, so I did construction half the year and then uh, infantry the other half. So you were a G.I. Joe. I, I yeah, yep. <laughs> and plus, I played with Joes, too, don't forget. When I was a kid, Joes were big. Oh, yeah, the, like I the 12-inch guys. played with the 12-inch. Yeah. Yes. So, so when I was a child, uh, Joes were huge, and I would always save my... I think the original price for Joes was just under $2. Dollar thirty nine or but I remember saving up two thirty nine for a special Joe that I wanted or something. So, oh yeah, but I, yeah, the they were so big the vehicles were just huge. Yeah, yeah, they were massive. Yeah, that stuff's pretty valuable. Day, how did you get in the army at seventeen years old? My parents signed. Um, I I graduated. My birthday was in September, so. Uh, I had graduated in June. I wouldn't be 18 until September. So uh, in January, one of my friends had signed up for the Army. So I just, we were buddies, and I wanted to go ahead and get mine over with. I'm like, 
I just go ahead and sign up and go in and get it over with. <laughs> and you did. So I signed up. I was still in high school. And then I went in in August, uh, like two months before I was um, 18. And you did three years. Don't most people do four years? Uh, yes. I didn't want to stay in. I actually begged my recruiter for a two-year stint. Uh, but they stopped doing those after Vietnam. So he said we do. And he tried to his best to get me to do four years. And I'm like, I, I just don't want to do four years. So he said, well, you can do three if you want. They wouldn't tell anybody that. Oh, sure. So, but I had held out long enough. So he just let me do center for three years. I'm like, okay, good. Um, so <laughs> so you- I knew I wasn't, a, I didn't want to be a career soldier. I just, you know, after high school, you, you're kind of lost. and don't know what to do. So I just started going and do my three years and get it over with. So in, in you join in 77, that's a big mm-hmm. year. I, I got to wonder if Star Wars had some influence on you. No, I didn't see Star Wars until after uh, basic training and AIT. I don't think I saw it until like December. Really? 77, yes. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd already seen it. I had, like I said, I hadn't seen it until I was already done with basic and AIT. I, I so, seen Star so Wars, in '82, so. you go off to art movie. school. Where, where was that at? Uh, Eighty, actually, yeah, '81 or '82. It, I went to the uh, Joe Kubert School of Cartoon and Graphic Art in Dover, New Jersey, and Joe Kubert was a famous DC art, comics artist and editor, famous for Sergeant Rock, Tarzan. That's that's how I knew his artwork was from Tarzan when I was 12. Um, Sergeant Rock, Enemy Ace, uh, oh, those awesome. kinds of books Joe was famous for. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful work. And and he still worked right up into his late mid-80s and still was just getting better and better every year. It was amazing. Mark, when you go to a school like that, do you get out of having to draw freaking apples and cylinders and that kind of junk? No, <laughs> you still have to, you know, cause I, I, I yes, loved you, you, art, but I never like to draw things I don't like. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's uh well, if, then you'll never make it as a comic book artist. Probably not. You, you know, have to, you basically, if you listen to Alex Toth, you need to keep a file cabinet in your head and you need to learn how to draw everything. So that way, you know, in, in deadlines, if you can't find reference, you can kind of fake it. As That's well as true. you can, but no, you can't learn to basic draw without learning how to do cylinders and, sure. you know, in construction and things like that. You, you have to go through that. And, and what's funny now at the end of my career, when I was a young man, I just wanted to draw, you know, superheroes and dragons and Conan and all that stuff. And now that I'm older, I find myself, I really like drawing the basic stuff. I like drawing still lifes or animal portraits or heads or things like that. I like doing those things that you learn with that, you know, you don't like to do when you're younger. <laughs> I, I'm really interested to hear how you got recruited by Hasbro to go work on GI Joe. That's like the dream job. Yeah, no kidding. And I lucked out big time. Uh, Cause there, there were several guys that could have gotten that job. It has at, um, at the Kubert school. Uh, I just recently graduated Dave Dorman, who's an illustrator, had went to the Kubert School. Uh, I'd never met him. He went there before I got there. And uh, he was doing some freelance uh, illustrations for Hasbro. 
And they approached Hasbro approached Dave about uh, coming in and being a designer. And Dave was already doing Star Wars stuff and starting to be established as an illustrator. And he didn't want a, a design job. So he suggested they go to the Kubert School. So they looked up the Kubert School and they came there and interviewed uh, several of us. And, you know, everybody had decent artwork. But the thing that put me kind of through was, number one, I played with G.I. Joe my whole life as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> number two, I'd been in the military. So I knew what real weapons and things like that look like. And the third one that really pushed it over the edge, which is funny, was when I was 16, I had worked in a plastics factory, an injection molding plastics factory. So I knew what seams were for injection molding. I knew how injection molding worked. And when you, part of the job when you're working at Hasbro is you have to do the sculpture sheets. So they're front, back, and side views. And you can't draw certain things because it would it wouldn't work on the um, uh, in, in molding process because right. it would get caught in the mold if it if it doesn't slip out. It's got to be able to slip out, you know, easily. And so I I knew that uh, I knew about that, and I'd also taken uh, drafting classes. I knew how to when I did the when I started designing drawing weapons. You had to do that in like a drafting uh, drawing. Of course, G.I. Joe is still going strong today. They're at Walmart and Target and all. It just does not go away. And I guess it had yeah. been going a good 20 years before you worked on it. Uh, Well, it started in the, what, 60s, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> 60s, so, I yes. want to say. Yep. Well, no, no, it had gotten canceled. Uh, it had gotten canceled in the early 80s or late 70s. Uh, late seventies, I think yeah. their, their sales just went up and, and with the gas crunch and gas prices and everything, uh, it was expensive to produce the Joes. That's also kind of why they went to the smaller ones. Yeah, it makes sense. Totally. So if you get recruited at Hasbro Mark and, and you're mm -hmm. like the second primary figure designer is, is that starting at the top? I mean, where does that fall in, in the organization of how these figures get made? Uh, no, I, I was just a, you know, a beginning designer there. Uh, that's all it was. They, they hired tons of people from design schools. Uh, RISD was there. Rhode Island School of Design was in uh, right next to Hasbro, you know, just a few miles from there. So they, um, most of their uh, people that worked there were industrial designers, so they could design anything. They could design toasters, screwdrivers, you know, everyday products. Not all of them were into fantasy art and, and things like, you know, like I specialized in. They were specific, you know, um, also on my Joe team, there were car designers. I mean, guys who had nothing to do and wanted to do with toys whatsoever. But they sure as heck could design a tank or a jeep or uh, yeah, you know, things like that, and then and then they would get off on you know, uh, hey, you mean it's not real? It's fantasy. I can just make up whatever I want. Yeah. So it was, was kind of fun and a big deal for those guys. But no, I was it was a, a basic. I was just low level, probably beginning designer there. 
Hey, I, I just quick thing come to mind. I, I've been kind of restoring some of my original GI Joes, and mm-hmm. you know, you replace the rubber O ring that holds the legs and holds the whole thing together and whatnot. Yeah. That screw in their back is the same screw in the corners of an 80s cassette tape. Were you guys <laughs> well aware of that when, when you were making these things? I have no I had no clue. Yeah, it sure <laughs> is. You know, if you remember, you could take a cassette apart, and that was the screw that's in the back yeah. of a G.I. Joe. Did, oh, that's funny. Did you prefer the big ones you grew up playing with or the three and three quarters that you were designing? Oh, well, of course I prefer the big ones. Uh, you know, that I was six to what, 11 years old when I was playing with those things. So, you know, that's for me, that's the heyday, you know, and the, uh, you can't replace uh, that for toys. No, you know, when, and I was a grown man when I was at Hasbro, I was 25 years old. I've been in the military, I, you know. They, they were cool and it was exciting and fun and, and trying to put as much of my effort into it as I could. But it, it's just not the same as when you're a little child, you know, I'll, I'll meet some of these guys. You, they're older now and, and they're just ecstatic over the Joes that were designed in, when they were that same age as I was, you know, so you prefer <laughs> your own era, I guess. You were grown at 25. I'm 48 still playing with GI Joes. <laughs> I, I, I missed my chance there somewhere. I get, you know, tell me, yeah. Mark, how was brainstorming done? I'm assuming it's not you in a room by yourself. I've got this idea. I'm naming this guy and I'm drawing it. Yeah, no, brainstorming, uh, they bring in several guys, uh, a couple designers, a couple of marketing people, maybe a couple of the uh, engineers, because there was a really cool department in Hasbro where uh, they would figure out how to do mechanisms. You know, so they would make a mechanism board and then they'd have to figure out how to get that into a, a gun or a or a vehicle or you know any kind of toy but so there might be several you know guys from different uh specialties in the thing and you just sit down and and i'd bring in a notebook and uh, everybody would bring in a notebook if they wanted and uh we'd just discuss you know what we needed and if you know at that point when we figured out what we needed then you know, ideas would start popping up. Well, we could do this. Or one guy would say, well, why don't we do this? Or, you know, and you just sit there and take notes. And my notes really consisted of drawings. Right. <laughs> and scribble. But, you know, then you take back that back to your cubicle and get to work. Now, if they release like 17 figures in a whack, right? Mm-hmm. Would they, would you try to actively make half of them bad guys and half of them good guys? Well, I think they tried to do one or two more good guys than bad guys. Really? Yes. But the, uh, the good guys were, the bad guys were always more fun to do. Sure. Than the good guys. Because you had a little more leeway. When I was there, Hasbro did a little more crazy stuff after I left. But when I was there, I was given very specific rules. Joe has to be military. Joe has to be based on realness. Joe has to be blah, blah, blah. There was a a set of rules. Now, for Cobra, those rules didn't apply. Um, You know, 
anything pretty much went with Cobra. So it was always more fun to do Cobra oh, than it course. was to do the shows. But, um, you know, later they started doing, you know, we wanted to do cyborg Joe's, you know, just cause I grew up with a $6 million man. We wanted to do, you know, exosuits and all this stuff and that couldn't be done. But later on, I think they did do come out of the box a little bit and start doing some of that, sure. that stuff. Mark, here's something I always kind of thought about, you know, GI Joe in the eighties is, is three things. It's, it's the cartoon it's it's the comic books which have a little more serious tone, and then it's the action mm-hmm. figures where a kid is developing, playing out his own story with these figures. Now, when you're yeah. designing these figures, were you thinking of either of those other two things and where they fit in that world? No, I was just trying to do something cool and fun. That was my main focus. You can't think about too many things, you know, because you got to figure. When you're Sam designing uh, a new bazooka guy, well, I'm going to draw 10 bazooka guys, you know, at least sure. uh, 10 different ones. And then we're going to go into a room and somebody's going to go, I like that one. Let's go with that one. Or I like the shirt on this one. I like the boots on this one. I like this one's weapon. Uh, go back, you know, so you go back for round two and you draw a couple more and you piece together some stuff. So th- those kind of meetings happens. And a lot of times, you know, we just, you do one or just a couple and be like, oh, that one's excellent. Don't do any more. We like, <laughs> we're going with that one. What's it like so, though, when you're drawing these characters, it gets approved and you get that first one on the card. I came up with this. What is, what is that like? Well, at the time, there's such a stretch in between when the product actually comes out that, and, you know, at the time I wouldn't even be aware of it. I was, I was kind of keeping busy, you know, working away and, and there's always something to do. So, and a lot of my figures didn't even come out until after I left. Because it was like a year, it was like, well, it was like a year turnaround. So Ah. half the figures that I did didn't come out, you know, until later, but, um. I mean, it was really cool, you know, to see your very first one. And or I think I, my first stuff that came out, I got stuff out early because I had picked up where Ron had left off. Ron was the previous designer. So he had designed a few figures and didn't do the sculpture sheets or, uh, you know, the web or design the weapons and things like that. So then I just kind of was thrown in there. Finish it up. Hey, yeah, what? finish it up. So I had stuff come out early that you know, that I had a little bit in, but, you know, not, not all the way. So. Mark, so there's a character you worked on that has mm-hmm. his own movie, Snake Eyes. And what's it yes. like, you know, knowing you had a hand in what, the third variation of Snake Eyes and how many variations? That character is so important to touch that. Yeah. Yeah. As long as he's black. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Overall, you really can't go wrong. And a ninja. Well, there's a funny you know, story. There's a there's a funny story about my snake guys because I got to redo storm shadow, which I was so excited and I cool. And then I got to redo snake guys. Well, I 
tried so hard that I actually think that I failed. Oh, <laughs> I, wanted well, another, I, I wanted another chance at redesigning Snake Eyes because I, I'm like, oh, I think I could do something different or something a little bit better. So th- there's regret there. You know, there's there's things like that. <laughs> you know, what you guys were doing has influenced me. So, I mean, I have a full auto Uzi now today, a registered <laughs> Uzi, because that freaking plastic action figure snake eyes had an uzi you know (laughs) you had no idea how how many kids you were affecting and and what did you what did you think of the movie i liked them you know i but i'm a movie guy so i i really can't you know i I say anything bad about too many movies i i watch a lot of movies and as long as they're not based in reality i usually love them (laughs) <laughs> movies are well, my sports I man i yeah. you know i mean i agree with you it's a lot of fun what what would you yeah. have changed or what would you do differently if given the chance to touch snake eyes again oh oh i would make him i think uh i actually did one in my studio i think i would make him a little um smoother i'm not you know and, and more militaristic uh, um i'm not sure i i have this idea in my head of a um of a bio suit kind of like i did with one of the drivers and i thought that'd be kind of cool if he had some kind of bio suit that would move and form and, and actually was a suit that was kind of alive so that, that was one of the ideas that i had but um i i don't know i i I'm sure I could come up with something cool. <laughs> he would he would still have an Uzi though, right? Oh, well, of course. <laughs> of course he would. <laughs> you know, and and timber. What he had a wolf that he ran around with him or something. Yes, yeah. You know. Yeah, was, that was the coolest thing. You had the best I know, we job. Play that up more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Have you taken notice that now uh action figures have kind of went backwards with these reaction lines where they don't have as much movement? They're kind of more akin to Star Wars. I mean, what do you think about this retro stuff? Oh, you know, there's either statues or there's action figures, you know, and and they try to mix them up both. And I think it's like a fine line because when McFarlane first started coming out with all of his toys, I mean, they looked cool, but they didn't pose that well. They didn't move that well. And they were really more like statues and for collectors, not sure. for kids who want to go outside and take their Joes in the dirt and set them all up and throw rocks at them. Yeah. You know that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shoot them with BB guns. There's so that, to yeah. me, it's two totally different things. There's ones you play with and then there's ones you put on a shelf. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I got to ask you and about I like a- the ones you play with. Oh Yeah. <laughs> I got to ask you about a character you worked on, a G.I. Joe figure. I'm from Little Rock, and there was one character in the line that, according to his file card on the package, was from Little Rock, Arkansas, and that's Chuckles. And uh, what was the story with that? Chuckles, Chuckles, was he the... Um, he's got to be inspired by Magnum P.I. Hawaiian shirt? Yeah, he's got a yeah, Hawaiian yeah. shirt I think on. That's, I think Ron designed him. Now, you know, Larry Hama, he wrote all the backstories for that. Right. Um, so he's he's the one who did that with Little Rock and, uh, you know, and, and where everybody was from and what their MOS was and, you know, how their what their personalities were. We kind of would feed Larry a little bit, you know, 
what the guys were, but Larry, Larry pretty much came up with all that. And and what's just funny is that's why I don't really know the names of the characters. Sure. Because as I designed them, I put a name on them. So oh, to really? me, that's what that that's what that character's name was. You know, I would just name it something, you know, just for my own personal benefit. I would knew that Larry would change it. So I would name the character one thing, and then by the time Larry got it, you know, of course, Larry would do the whole bio on this. And later on, people would interview me and go, well, what do you think about this guy? And I'm like, you're going to have to show me a picture because <laughs> I that's not who what I <laughs> I got you. Hey, you know, in the business of designing action figures, could you explain to the audience what a buck is? Yes, of course. A buck is just a simplified um, figure that you sculpt on. So it has all the, the joints. It's, it's basically, a, it's not a physical skeleton, but it's like a skeleton. So it's just a thinned down uh, copy of the figure that you can sculpt over. So you can add clay or sculpey or whatever material that you sculpt in to sculpt the figure when they're done to from made for molding so it's just a simplified version of the the toy like it's like the chest is just a barrel the head is just a stem you know so you can sculpt right on it the hands are there but the feet are just flat um ovals so that you can sculpt boots over them same with the legs they're just stems you know basically like we were talking about in learning construction when you're drawing they're just tubes. <laughs> right. You it know, must, that, it's got to have limitations tiny. there. Oh, there are huge limitations because you can't sculpt on the elbows. You can't sculpt on the knees. You can't sculpt on the shoulders. Um, you know, wherever they're movable joints. That's, again, that's why one of the things uh, those poles or those uh, statue-esque figures are a little more, you know, I don't know if they're more popular. But they don't move as well because ah. they do sculpting on the shoulders, and they'll just make it so it spins left or right. You know, not like a Joe shoulder or a Joe shoulder where you know you can get 360 degree movement and you know all kinds of things like that. So, so there are limitations to it, but you know that's why the base of every GI Joe figure is basically identical. I mean, yes. the, the elbows are all the same, the the yep. knees. Yep. I guess because that would be, what does it cost to make one mold for one figure? Well, I heard that it was $1 million <laughs> in the 80s. I heard it was, they, they spent $1 million per mold to have these things laser cut. But I think all that stuff's way cheaper now. You know, all the 3D molding and 3D this and 3D that, I, I think it's way cheaper. But then to cut those metal molds, and then they were all stored at Hasbro in case they wanted to, you know, redo them or you know, like put together a mishmash figure. The re-release. You know, somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What they do is they say, we know Scott Romine will buy all this stuff, so get it out of the warehouse. Let's <laughs> print some more. And uh, it's guaranteed easy money. You know, that's pretty much, I think, what happens. So you also design the accessories, like the helmets and the guns. And that's probably a challenge to get a figure to hold something. Well, no, there's there's a standard handle and a standard grip. Mm -hmm. So every time uh, a mold maker or a uh, someone made a knife, it was always the same size handle that went on it. Ah, 
so that it would fit. So that, you know, we just design around that. So I've noticed like some of the guns had longer grips than the real life version of that gun would have. And, and grips where there weren't really supposed to be any grips. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that stuff was designed in-house, I guess. The, yep. The, the, the accessories. Yep. Yeah, all of it was done in-house, yeah, pretty much. Hey, Mark, I got a question for you. I always wondered. Sure. Uh, on the TV show, the cartoon that, that all of us grew up my age, uh, they basically had laser guns like Star Wars. And I always suspected... That had to do with not offending parents or using real guns or whatever. But the action figures you guys worked on oftentimes cloned actual guns. What was it ever brought up or or discouraged? That was all just had to do with uh, regulations for cartoons for kids and stuff like that. Really? Like they couldn't show any blood. Right. Um, you know, I don't think anybody ever died. No, no one ever you know, died. That, that was that was pretty much the the code for animation at the time. That really, you know, we were we were told G.I. Joe when we designed it to make it, you know, as realistic as possible. We could use M16s, but we could also design fake M16s, you know, whatever. Like if we did a soldier and we wanted them real, of course we wanted them to have a real 45 or a real 1911 you know, real this and real that. But then there was lots of room for fantasy military stuff. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it was just, like I said, that had more to do with the regulations for animation. So, Would the same guys that worked on making the figures work on the vehicles? No. Um, that's why I was brought in, because I went to a comic book school. The guys who did vehicles... Uh, most of them couldn't even draw any figures. They were product designers. They didn't know how to draw, you know, like I was, came from a comic school. So it was heavy, heavy, uh, you know, life drawing, heavy figure drawing, heavy this. Uh, those guys, like I said, were all industrial designers. Uh, several of them had backgrounds in Detroit, uh, designing actual cars and things like that. I actually read an article not long ago that it was basically if GI Joe vehicles were real and the laughable part of it was all those little toys were made where they have panels and rivets on the tanks and said, Mm -hmm. we haven't had that since world war two, even though the thing (laughs) looks extremely modern, it never would have panels and rivets all over it. I think that's hilarious. Well, we did what, you know, it looks cool. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff was taken from real models. Sure. Like when we wouldn't, the guys I'd watch them build a vehicle, they'd have to do a mock-up for engineering. And so they'd vacuum form like the basic shape. Then they'd go to the local model store and buy 20 models and come back and tear them all to pieces, take every spring, every rivet, every hose, everything that looked kind of cool and just start gluing on the thing. <laughs> kind of so, like kind of like the props in star wars kind of the it was a frankenstein vehicles yeah e- sure. exactly and that's what they ended up looking like i'm like you guys you know i would tell them i'm like any one of you guys could work for you know lucas building ships sure. and things like that so does it amaze you what some of this stuff is worth today yeah oh yeah it kills me because i would have walked out of there with everything <laughs> oh sure seen, i would have stole everything I but I can't believe that some of the prices and and how much 
these things are worth. And even some of the figures, because I had tons of figures. I could have walked out with so oh. many. And I, I, I'm not a collector. I don't collect anything. So I <laughs> Like Snake Eyes on the card is probably, what, $2,000 now or something? They were yeah. $2.50 when I was a kid, maybe? Yeah, and I could have walked out with 50 of them. Sure, sure you could. <laughs> now you got we were, to... I had access to storage. I had access to the store. And you got to go to the storage where all of the Hasbro stuff is probably still there today, correct? Well, I'm assuming they've moved it because it was so valuable. When I went to the, to the secret storage place, it was somewhere in Providence and in some back alley. And it was just an old, dirty, big brick building that looked like it was falling apart. You walked inside. And there were Joes from the 60s. There was everything Hasbro had ever done. Uh, they archived it in, into this place. So I'm assuming they moved it to someplace much nicer and, you know, climate controlled and stuff like that. So uh, irreplaceable stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and valuable, like I said, is probably. Yeah, a priceless. lot. It's a lot. So. Yeah. Can you explain something that always seemed very odd? As a kid, there was a G.I. Joe comic that come out, and it touted Rocky Balboa as being, you know, Sylvester <laughs> Stallone as being a member of G.I. Joe. Yes. And I know that you even designed a figure. Where, yep. where in the heck did this come from, and why did it not happen? Uh, well, we wanted to do the Rambo figure. That would be great. Yeah, um, we weren't allowed to do the Rambo figure because of licensing, or somebody else had signed it. Coleco so made then, the Rambo guys, and they yeah, were so like six we, inches or something. Yeah, and and then we did the other Rocky figure, and before we could release it, he signed or put out a whole bunch of stuff with Kenner. Really? Yeah, and so all of a sudden they just canceled everything. So there was an agreement at some point for Rocky to, to be on the team. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. We went through the figure, went through everything. And like I said, then, then he kind of flooded the market with, and signed with other toy companies also. And so Hasbro just said, you know, we'll just stick with Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> what about refrigerator Perry, the football player? He was a GI Joe, correct? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I actually designed that. Yeah, he was a special. I think he had to mail in or or get so many tickets or something like that and mail in the fridge. About the time you're leaving, uh -huh. G.I. Joe takes more of like a sci-fi slant. Now, where did that come from? Sales. If sales start dropping, then people start panicking. And then, like I said, that's when more leeway is given. I was given a very specific instructions on how to do Joe. And then once sales start dropping, well, then they wanted to start doing robots and doing other things and going a little bit crazy. Just like what happened to the original G.I. Joe. <laughs> to me, <laughs> he became more of an action man or an adventurer or something. So was it and kind it of a panic move? I mean, because... For me as a kid, that's kind of what killed it when it became Star Wars. Uh, it, I, I have no idea. I was gone already. Yeah. And I'm assuming it was a panic move because Joe was their number one seller. Joe was their uh, 
you know, put Hasbro on the map oh, yeah. where they were able to just buy up everything. And, and they made so much money off Joe. And then when that, you know, started to tank, it's time to look for the next big thing. But, they, you know, that's like every corporation. You sure. know, you have a product and it's popular for so many years and then it goes off and everybody's like, what's the next big thing? Or, you know, let's rebrand this or whatever. You know, it's just, it's typical. I guess they were making Joe Transformers <laughs> the same time Hasbro was making Transformers too, correct? Yep. So yes, you didn't get an opportunity to work on that or were they all imported? That was all imported. That was all done overseas. Uh, my wife got to do some of the color uh, comps. She would freelance and just, we would just get black and white drawings of um, the Transformers and she got to make up some of the color comps for them, but um, no, that's about all we had to do with that. That was all, uh, you know, done outside. So when you leave Hasbro, you go into the comic book world. Was that hard to get into? Uh, yes. Uh, it was, I struggled a little bit, have to work for some of the smaller companies. Uh, but eventually I got into DC within, I think, a year. Or a year and a half, I'd gotten into DC, and then once I got my first job at DC, then it just kind of snowballed and went crazy. And then I'd work for Marvel and DC and Dark Horse and everybody for the next thirty years. So you even went back and taught at your school, correct? Yes, yeah, I did for three years. I think that's got to be very rewarding. Well, I'd rather do it now that I'm older. Sure. I think I could be a way better teacher than I was when I was younger. I mean, when I was younger, I was very excited with the students and very, but I didn't know as much as what I, as I know now. Now I think I could be a way better teacher than I was then. I gotcha. Hey, uh, Mark, if somebody wanted you, uh, wanted to do a commission piece or have you do it or whatever, how would they get a hold of you? I, I'm on Instagram, Mark Pennington Art or Facebook. Just look up Mark Pennington Art. Um, my email's on there. I think my phone number, I don't really hide, you know, all my stuff. If you just Google Mark Pennington art on my Facebook or Instagram or my website, something will come up. <laughs> Man, I, I really appreciate you doing the show today. I, You're welcome. You were a big part of my childhood. I just didn't know who you were. <laughs> So uh, (laughs) thank you so much, Mark. Thank you guys for listening. Want me unplugged? We'll see you guys next Saturday.